Lima Charlie, loud and clear. Lima Charlie, alto y claro. Lima Charlie, fort et clair. Lima Charlie, wahidin wam. Lima Charlie, urusakute, akiraka de aru. Lima Charlie, loud and clear. Lima Charlie, sahat ke bahan hai. Lima Charlie, light and dialect. Lima Charlie, to va zo zang. Lima Charlie, ching chu, ming ba. Lima Charlie, gromka iyasna. Lima Charlie. Loud and clear. You're listening to Lima Charlie News. Welcome to the Three Marines Podcast, brought to you by Lima Charlie Sports, a division of Lima Charlie News, bringing you insightful news and analysis from military veterans worldwide. I'm your host, Stephanie Klein, and we have an awesome show tonight. First, let me plug our Three Marines contest. We're looking for a new third Marine, so send us your audio and video clips. Make us laugh, make us think, just send us something. So I'd like to give a shout out to one of our listeners, a Coastie, Michael Gardner, for a solid audition. And we're actually going to play a short clip for you now. My name is Michael Gardner, and I'd like to put myself in for consideration for that third spot you've got on the Three Marines podcast. I'm a former officer in the United States Coast Guard and a close personal friend of Brendan McKinnon. Uh, him and I go way back to our days as wide receivers on the Coast Guard Academy football team, talking politics and hip hop and sports and social issues uh, you know, I've continued to follow him uh, and, and speak with him as he's grown as a servant leader that I'm, I'm actually proud, who's uh, kind of the Coast Guard presence there at Lima Charlie News. And he's one of the few people that I think could vacillate between the Nerd Race podcast and your podcast. Uh, he's a terrific example of, you know, what an informed and impassioned citizen looks like in our current political climate. And if you guys don't like him, then fuck him. He's a weird dwarf of a New England homer who's probably stroking himself off into a bowl of clam chowder watching grainy YouTube footage of Ben Coates. So whichever one of those is going to help me, just let me know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that on the podcast? I, I don't know, but I like it. I vote for that guy. Bring him on. Well, we actually are. So stay tuned. We're going to be bringing Michael in for a show coming up soon. We're pretty excited about that. Uh, but now on to the regular show. So with me as always is Mario Figueroa. Mario, how's it going? What up? Oh, uh. glad to know you're still there. Uh, I am um, so, doing a, good. Thanks for asking. My pleasure. I'm excited about today's show. Are you? Why? Uh, cause I'm excited about every show. All right. So as a special treat for everyone, uh, we've poached yet another nerd race host. That's right. We have Dan Webb out of Omaha, Nebraska. He's here with us tonight. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Hey jocks. I'm Dan Webb and Stephanie asked me to bring some culture and sophistication to three Marines. So here I am, despite not being a Marine, <laughs> instead being an Air Force vet, but that doesn't mean that I can't be on the podcast. It just means I got a higher ASVAB score than Marine Corps vets. So, uh, like I said, we're gonna class it up. We're gonna what bring some. We're gonna bring some hard hitting analysis, maybe some political insights. But you know, here we are. I don't think hard hitting and Air Force go in the same sentence. Where do you think those bombs come from? They come from the sky. Bunker busters. Bunker busters, bitch. <laughs> I have. I have. I have no reply to that. I thought. Well, that's great. So I'm going to jump in for that and say we actually have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, in celebration of Valentine's Day, 
we're going to talk about domestic violence and assault in football. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan and I are what? going. <laughs> All right. Just, it's a, it's, happy Valentine's it's Day, to, everybody. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. We're we're gonna solve the problem for football. That's what we're gonna do. Sometimes tonight, love is. I think that's a great. Sometimes love is kinetic. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh man! Well, this I, should be a fun. I'm gonna talk. start there. Yeah. All right. So football may be over, but league controversies kind of never end. Nothing is uh, over. Twenty football is over, but the hits keep on coming. It, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so in 2014, after Ray Rice started in his short reality show, uh, Watch Me Punch My Fiance in an Elevator, the NFL implemented a six-game suspension baseline for domestic violence-related conduct violations. But since that, several cases have received less than a six-game suspension. So I want to kind of throw out questions to you guys uh, and see what some of your thoughts are on this. So first question is to Dan. Should the NFL treat every abuse instance on a case-by-case basis as it does now, or should it try to force the blanket policy that it has? No, it should absolutely be zero tolerance. If you are, um, I mean, if you're, if you're on caught on camera, accused or charged with uh, domestic abuse, you hit your spouse, uh, you, you're suspended until that investigation is complete. And uh, if you're found guilty or there's just proof, there's video like in the Ray Rice incident, you miss, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a whole season. I think that, I mean, it's not my joke, but the original joke is that hitting a blunt gets you more suspension time than hitting your wife or girlfriend. And it's kind of fucked up. So the NFL kind of has a problem with being a macho, macho man boys club. Um, so guys like Greg Hardy get second and third chances despite being total pieces of shit. But I think they needs to be, I mean, they have a zero tolerance policy for alcohol or DUIs and zero tolerance policy for drugs. So there should be a zero tolerance policy for domestic abuse because that is worse than both of those, in my opinion. So, yeah, they should there should definitely be a worse punishment for doing something like that. All right. So, Mario, I want to kick it over to you, but I also want to add on there. Does the fact that there's a wide range of what abuse actually is matter? Does that does that matter or is it just if it's abuse? That's it. Go with what Dan said. Uh, I got to agree with Dan. Um, and in the way I put it is, is burn them all to the fucking ground. Um, if you, if you're, if you're found guilty of domestic abuse in, in any way, you're fucking gone. Um, I get really hot about this topic. Uh, just like, cause just like Dan said, you know, the whole, uh, zero tolerance with alcohol and drugs, but, but with, you know, you hit your spouse then, you know, it's it originally with Ray Rice before the video came out, you know, and this is what gets me really hot about that case is the NFL and the Ravens right. had seen the video, but it, it hadn't been released. And he only got a three game ban. And they yeah. and when the when the video leaked and the public saw what actually happened, the NFL and the Ravens um, uh, ownership said, oh, no, we hadn't seen the video. We didn't know either, which was bullshit. They had seen it. And they tried to hide it from the public and they tried to give this guy a three game fucking ban for knocking his wife out in a public elevator. Give me a break. That's ridiculous. And the only reason they they upped it um, to the season long suspension was because 
because the video leaked. It's like, oh, oh, because the public saw it, now we have to take this seriously. Are you serious? But if a guy gets busted for uh, smoking pot twice, he's banned for a season. But they they were going to let Ray. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they were going to let Ray Rice go with a three game ban after they saw what he did to his wife. That is unacceptable. That's disgusting. And yeah, I don't care what it is. You push her down, you hit her, you slap her, whatever it is, you're fucking done. Like there can be zero tolerance for it. I don't care. You know what? People like. Oh, 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 people get second chances, whatever. You can go get your second chance out in the civilian world, but you're done playing professional sports. That is a privilege, not a right. And if you're going to beat on your wife or your spouse, fuck you. Yes. Unless you deserved it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so do you, do you guys feel the same way about like Michael Vick with, with animal abuse, or is it just something specific about... Yeah, no, absolutely. Michael abuse. Vick, Michael, what Michael Vick did was super fucked up, mm-hmm. and he he paid uh, he paid the price. He went to prison. Uh, he served a suspension. I think uh, it, it's questionable whether or not he should have been allowed to come back into the league. But you know, as long as if he went to prison and did his time, you know, it's it's like anywhere else. You do your time, you're rehabilitated apparently, and you know you get a chance to come back. And he he did he was never the same when he came back, but I think it was uh, it was right to give him the opportunity at least to come back. But but I think he also did serve um, a lot of time and but a three game suspension for you know like Ray Rice, which that was really supposed to be that's not acceptable. Um, Ray Rice should have gone to jail at least for that. Um, and and he ended up serving much longer than a three game suspension. He hasn't ever played since, but. Um, there's other cases, like I like I mentioned earlier, Greg Hardy, who did come back, and that that's bullshit. They, he came back way too soon. Well, Greg Hardy got uh, initially he got the ten game suspension, which was the longest, but then on appeal got cut down to four. So right. really, only about thirty percent of players that would have fallen under this baseline suspension have actually gotten that long. Um, Mario, I want to throw this next question out to you. Uh, like, what's the NFL's role in personal conduct? Should there be personal conduct clauses and policies, or should player conduct be left up to the free market? So I know you said kind of burn it all to the ground, but should that really be the NFL's role, or should it be taken out by the fans and endorsement deals? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really great question, Stephanie. Um, I don't think across the board it should be. I just think when it comes to harming another human being, another life, then when it comes to abuse especially you know domestic abuse uh it is it's such a, a prominent problem not only in this country but worldwide um you know there's a I, I read a stat that globally every year more women are are beat up killed uh sold into sex slavery straight up disappeared murdered uh combined worldwide more than the combined uh allied casualties in world war ii that happens every single year. Go ahead, Dan. No, I said Jesus. I didn't. I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. No, it's it, it. It's bad, and it's a huge problem. So that's why you know when it comes to women and or, and domestic abuse, that's why I say burn them all to the fucking ground, get them out, because this is a serious problem. We know from the military, it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem in the civilian world, and it's a serious problem in professional sports, and it needs to be nipped in the bud. 
100 million thousand percent. Now, as far as personal conduct across the board, if you're not, if you're not harming people, you know, then yeah, I think it's, it's up to teams. It, it you know, cause I mean, you got to think these players are employees and the teams are paying them. And if the team says, Hey, your conduct isn't representative of the team, we're going to fire you. That's, they have every right to do that. But I don't think the NFL as an entity should be, you know, stepping in and just being like, Oh, you're an asshole. Stop being an asshole. Like, you know, and obviously I feel a certain kind of way about their drug policy, which is ridiculous. I mean, players should be able to be who they are, do what they want. So long as they're not harming another person. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was going to agree with you there. Like when it comes to, if there's another, if if another human being is a victim, there needs to be some kind of, uh, player conduct policy or zero tolerance policy. But when it comes to, uh, you know, subjective issues, kind of like how they, you know, how they handle themselves off the field, whether it's smoking pot or something like that's, that should be left up to the teams, up to their endorsement deals. I mean, the, Calvin Johnson uh, of the Detroit Lions, Megatron came out, you know, a few months ago and he, he talked about how the, the doctors prescribed Oxycontin and Vicodin to these players, these painkillers, these, uh, you know, narcotics like they were candy but um which i mean and those those drugs are destroying lives across the country they're destroying professional football or professional athletes lives they're destroying uh private just regular people's lives but you know you get caught smoking a joint you end up uh suspended for your career could be ruined like it was with ricky williams so that's you know it's it's kind of hypocritical but if there is a a human victim to something that you have done, or you know an animal victim, like in Michael Vick's case, you should definitely be uh, taken to uh, the woodshed for that. But um, just you know the rest of it, leave it up. Let let the sponsors, let the let the brands protect themselves uh, from these players' conduct, and the players will react accordingly. Uh, so Dan, I'm actually going to throw this next one to you. So we've been discussing the domestic violence issue really in a vacuum with the NFL. Uh, but there's an issue with violence and assault in college football, right? Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so, like some of the schools dealing with sexual assault issues, uh, which are there's quite a few of them, uh, they include my very own, uh, my favorite team, Michigan, Go Blue. Um, our rival, Michigan State, just dismissed several players last week in an ongoing sexual assault investigation. Uh, is pretty uh, well known that Minnesota nearly missed their bowl game uh, last month, uh, as all the players threatened to boycott when over 10 players were dismissed from the team, uh, due to sexual assault investigation, the Minnesota players ended up backing down, uh, once the grueling details of the assault came to light and they figured out why those players were, uh, suspended or dismissed from the team. And, uh, kind of in the, the spotlight lately has been Baylor who is dealing with its third sex related scandal in the past, like I think 18 months, um, their head coach, one of the top coaches in college football, Art Bryles, was fired last year for not dealing with rape allegations against some of his players uh, in the right way. Um, they are, they have another sexual assault uh, investigation going on, and one of their coaches was actually just dismissed from the team for uh, hiring a prostitute. So Baylor is definitely in the spotlight right now, but there are over 50 Division I schools dealing with cases like these in their athletic departments. Uh, so, I, And I don't think that they're more prevalent now than they ever have been. Uh, I think that 
this has been an issue that has been going on for generations probably. I think that due to the work of activists and advocates uh, they are helping, who are helping raise awareness for this type of thing, I think women feel more comfortable coming forward despite still facing the backlash from the public and even the justice system that they face. But uh, there has to be something that these schools are doing to get a handle on this because it is, it is like I said, over 50 schools. I, and I, I don't remember the stats exactly, but I think it might be over 100 Division One schools dealing with some sort of sexual assault allegation with somebody involved or somebody connected to the athletic department. So it is, it is a uh, epidemic, absolutely. So, and I have no idea if this is actually happening, but is there any type of work between like the NFL and the NCAA on trying to get a handle on what the issue is and what their role is and how they can actually do this? Because when you set the precedent that nothing will happen to you while you're in college, I mean, you come to the NFL and it's, it's difficult then to accept that there are going to be penalties for, um, for assault or abuse. Do you know of anything that's happening right now? Where they're trying to work together. I don't know. You know no, I don't know of any programs uh, of where the NFL and the NCAA are uh, working in conjunction with each other. I, I know that when uh, a player is a rookie in the NFL, they kind of have a um, kind of a, a program that they go through where they learn, you know, kind of how to spend their money, how to how to deal with the fact that they're going to be rich and their family and and women. Are going to be throwing themselves at them, so, but I, I I don't think that they really have a program strictly uh, focused on preventing these types of 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 crimes or these types of issues, which is unfortunate because I think that domestic abuse and sexual assault are probably the two issues that negatively affect players at both levels the most, and um, I think they're. There definitely should be programs put in place, but I am not aware of any that really are at this point. At least they're not uh, marketing them right now, which, they, you know, if they had good PR, you'd think they would be mentioning these, but I don't think they are. So I don't think there's any programs that exist. Uh, and I got one more question on college before we bring it back to Mario and the NFL. Sure. So can you walk us through what uh, what the NCAA death penalty is? Uh, so there's a lot of talk that Baylor may um, may have to face the death penalty for uh, not dealing with these sexual assault allegations, but that's not going to happen. Um, what people don't necessarily realize is that the death penalty, and what the death penalty is, is they will basically cancel your entire program's um, season. You won't play for at least one year. And that happened to Southern Methodist in uh, the 1980s, and it absolutely destroyed their uh, football program. But they did it to Southern Methodist because Southern Methodist was caught paying players uh, and paying recruits, and they were put on probation. Uh, they were put on athletic or on this probation uh, program and then continued to pay players and continued to violate their probation. And that is what eventually prompted them getting the death penalty. That is it, to get the death penalty, you have to continue violating when your program is already on probation. So while Baylor's um, Baylor's scandal is pretty disgusting, it's pretty egregious, they aren't con continuous violators while on probation. So they're not going to receive the death penalty. And another reason they're not going to receive the death penalty is because 
Baylor being suspended for at least one year it would cripple the Big 12, which is one of the Power Five conferences in college football. Uh, if if that were to happen, um, other conferences would begin picking off Big 12 schools like Oklahoma, and it would be the amount of money lost in that um, scenario would be so high that the NCAA would avoid it all costs. So if you hear people talking about Baylor potentially getting the death penalty, just understand that a it's not even going it's it's not even possible under NCAA rules. And even if it was, uh, considering how badly it affected Southern Methodists in the 1980s, I don't see it happening again unless there is an extreme, extreme example or extreme scandal or uh, crime committed. I mean, if you look at uh, Penn State, one of their players was literally raping children and they were, you know, their suspension was lifted and all their sanctions were lifted after like two years. So uh, I, I just don't see, they, I'm not saying they shouldn't. Baylor should be absolutely uh, punished to the full extent, but I don't see it happening. And it's, it's because basically it boils down to money. So Mario, I'm actually going to throw this follow-up to you on that. Um, since you're not as big into college football, from, from what you've heard from Dan and kind of your knowledge of the issue in college sports, do you think that the reluctance to use kind of a death penalty like that, if, you know, let's just assume that you're able to to use it at any point. Do you think that reluctance kind of helps perpetuate some of these issues because there's really nothing keeping the schools in as much check? Oh, uh, you mean in the NFL? No, 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 in, uh, for, for college football. Do you think that because, so, you know, as Dan had brought up, like Penn State, the, probably the closest that I think anyone would say should come to, to getting the death penalty, and they didn't. Uh, do you think because there's really no massive check on these schools that that helps kind of perpetuate the problem and then it, it brings it to the NFL, or do you kind of see it differently? Uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I just, you know, I agree with Dan that it's there's just too much money wrapped up in it, especially for such a high-profile team like 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 Penn. Um, it... Uh, Ultimately, what I think, you know, it's it's part of a larger larger problem with with these athletes in general, and you know, all the way from the pee wee level through high school, through college, and and into the pros, where it really manifests itself, um, is just you know the a lot of these players get identified at at a young age as exceptional athletes, and from that point on in their life, they they get they have a different life. You know, they're surrounded by uh, enablers, you know, that only care about the, you know, they see dollar signs and, and only care about the, the revenue that this athlete's going to generate. Um, and they're basically told from a young age that they can do whatever they want as long as they perform in on the court or on the field. And I think because of the, the power structure around them it has so much money wrapped up in it that, you know, they're going to enable these players there's never going to be, like you like you asked, a, a, a serious check on these schools or these NFL teams. Um, that you know that's why it's so frustrating for me when I when I see this stuff happen, because it's hard as a fan. You know, it's getting harder and harder to justify my support. You know, my my fandom essentially when I know that there's some of these issues. It just you know are are never going to get resolved or it's going to be a complete uphill battle. 
to get them resolved. It's frustrating. Uh, the short answer is yes. I, <laughs> I, I, I think that absolutely is the case. Okay. So my, my final question uh, for both of you, Mario, I'll let you take it first. Uh, just in honor of Dan being here, we're going to bring in something slightly political. Uh, what's your take on the balance of coverage and outrage toward player misconduct like Ray Rice and on the other side, civil disobedience like Colin Kaepernick? Do you think they're balanced? Is one, do we spend more time and outrage on the other? Well, also, Ben, like, I think, I think that uh, uh, the, the reaction to Colin Kaepernick as compared to the reaction to like Ray Rice is um, people are much more likely to jump to criticize somebody like Colin Kaepernick because I think patriotism, um, respect for the flag, those ty- those types of things are like grilled into you from such an early age. It's almost like a religion. Uh, whereas uh, everybody knows that that you know hitting your girlfriend or hitting your spouse or whatever is wrong, and it's but I, I just I don't think it it hits the same emotional point in your brain where it's just like you're immediately going to snap to judgment and say like this this guy's disrespecting the troops he's disrespecting the country by not uh by not respecting the national anthem and i think that one one is definitely worse than the other i think domestic abuse is definitely worse than a civil disobedience or a a political point that um colin kaepernick is making but i think that people have much have this political division in the country much higher on their mind and it's much more likely to set them off it's something they're thinking about every single day and i think that's why but i don't i don't think that people generally are um i don't think that people generally think that kneeling for the national anthem is worse than hitting your your girlfriend but i think it's just it it's like a conditioned trigger that it, it's causing them to react so hostily towards Cal and Kaepernick. And I, but I don't think it's necessarily something that they're consciously aware of that they're doing, that they're acting so negatively towards that versus domestic abuse. Great, thanks. And Mario, I'll let you wrap up this section if you have anything. Yeah, yeah, the, no, that was a really great question, Stephanie. And my answer is, I, I guess I, I would call it ease of outrage, you know, People right. are lazy. People want people want to be outraged, but they don't want to put a lot of work into it. And frankly, it's really easy to just get mad at Colin Ka- Kaepernick and be like, oh, he doesn't support the troops. He doesn't love America. Fuck him. You know, but it's a lot harder to actually look at, you know, the problem that we have in this country, you know, in, in this, you know, demonstrably patriarchal you know, society that we, that we live in, 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 in a, in a, in a country where, you know, women are treated as, you know, second-class citizens in a lot of ways and are, are still struggling for equality in our society. And a lot of people don't want to recognize that They're like, Oh, women have the right to vote. Everything's okay. Just like, Oh, we had a black president. There's no more racism. You know, it, people don't want to acknowledge the faults in our society. And well, if you don't like America, get the fuck out. No, I love this country. That's why I want it to be better. Uh, and and I think, you know, the way we treat minorities, the way we treat women, it, we can be better. We can do better. But that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of, you know, introspection. And that's a lot harder than telling Colin Kaepernick to go fuck himself. And, and I agree. Yeah, I so agree. that's that's basically yeah how i feel about that 
people are lazy, but they yep. still want to be pissed off. Yep. Well, well said. So we are actually going to move from the angriest topics and just kind of go up from there to make your night better. Uh, we're going to switch over to UFC 208. So this was the oh, illustrious inaugural, yeah, the inaugural women's featherweight title fight, Anderson Silva fighting young Buck Brunson, uh, first big night in Brooklyn. So there was so much to be excited about and so much disappointment that was actually handed out. Uh, but before we start complaining, uh, our awesome guest, Dan Webb, actually competes in Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. So... Dan, I want to talk a little Which bit about that. Which is mind-boggling, considering he came from the Air Force. Yeah, it's adorable. Adorable. <laughs> um, so for so it, well for so Ma- not- Mario and I, sure. like we we got paid to fight constantly. Like I just got paid to get punched in the face repeatedly for months in training. So the fact that you do this on the side and this is something that you're really interested in, I I think that's awesome. So how did you get into that? So that's not entirely tr- accurate. I compete, uh, or I have competed several times in jujitsu, but I have not, or I've yet to compete in oh. Muay Thai. I'm just in training for that right now. Um, so yeah, I got. Text was misleading. Uh, yes. So I uh, I got into martial arts when I don't know, like two years ago, I think. Um, I just it's something I was always interested in, something I always wanted to do. I had no reason to not do it. Um, so I just, I was, you know, I graduated college. I was just working. I had a lot of extra time. So I signed up at a gym. Um, and the gym I'm actually training in, uh, is it's in Omaha, which, you know, Omaha is not a big city. You wouldn't think that there's a whole lot going on here, but, uh, it's actually the Midwest is pretty, uh, pretty full of, of a lot of, uh, mixed martial arts fighters. Uh, in fact, my gym, uh, actually, the home gym of Drew Dober and Jake Ellenberger, who are both. Uh, Drew Dober is a lightweight in the UFC, and Jake Ellenberger was actually, I think, top five at one point in the welterweight division a couple of years ago. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of martial arts talent and great coaches here in the Midwest. So I got into originally jujitsu, and I kind of branched out to Muay Thai. Um, did a few competitions, one in Kansas City, one in Chicago for jujitsu, uh, and I am currently working on losing ten pounds so I can get back into the one fifty-five division for jujitsu uh, this summer. But I also work for a marketing agency, and I'm my day job. I'm I'm a software developer, but I kind of uh, branch out to one of our clients, which is Victory Fighting Championship. It's like it's like you're a superhero. Mild right, mannered basically. data engineer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our clients, Victory Fighting Championship, uh, they are a uh, UFC Fight Pass affiliate, so you can actually watch all of their events on the UFC Fight Pass streaming service. Um, and I do a lot of marketing for them, and I know the, the promoter of that, so I'm hoping in the next uh, year or so to kind of get in the get in the Victory Fighting cage to, uh, to do an amateur fight and... I have no idea how that's going to go, but if I kick some ass, then uh, maybe I'll get paid to uh, punch people Dan, and kick people in the head. What is, what's the worst you've gotten fucked up in the cage? <laughs> what, what, what's the uh, worst thing that's I've, happened to you? I've, I've had my ankle twisted so badly that I couldn't walk for a month. Uh, it was an ankle lock in jiu-jitsu. Punch-wise, I mean, I've, I've been punched in the head and had, or kicked in the head and had headaches for, you know, a couple of days, but 
the, the so that the explains way that... your Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I just wa- I walked right into that one. <laughs> so Dan, what's your what's your move? What's my move? I must. Yeah, what's your I, I like to do the I like, I like to do the single leg takedown into uh, into full mount, and then I just try to punch people in the head or choke them out. I, hey, hey, yeah. full mount and punching. We just got done talking about domestic abuse, Dan. Come on. Well, you know what? When you're in the gym, it doesn't matter if your opponent is male or female. It's all it's all fair game. All right. And and do you often find yourself getting mounted when you're in the gym? Uh, I was I was actually mounted about two hours ago uh, and nearly put unconscious. My neck is full of is is full of scars, and I was only slightly aroused. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. This talk of mounting. <laughs> Mario, how about how about you? Are you good at what what belt did you get, McMap? Are you really good at the eye gouge? What's your move? <laughs> uh, I forgot about McMap. Holy shit! Pocket sand so. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, McMap is the the Marine Corps Martial Arts program that we um, th- that we all have to go through uh, as as regular regular training, and we have belt levels like karate and all the different disciplines. Um, I think gray belt is the is the first one, right? It goes gray, tan, g- green, it's like tan, gray. Oh, oh no, green. yeah, tan belt, tan, gray, green. I was uh, I. I want to say I got to green belt. No, I was a gray belt. I was a gray belt. Um, but yeah, McMap is funny because it's one of those things where like they teach you all these moves and they teach you how to fight. But the, but the thing is, is like you have to like the stuff they teach you. It, it It's not like, you know, a lot of Marines, they think they're they all of a sudden they think they're Bruce Lee once they learn it. And they go out in town and get drunk and start a fight with some guy like three times their size who knows how to street fight and just gets their ass fucking killed. Because yeah. the thing that that they teach you, it like you have to go in with a violence of action. Like the the stuff they teach you, you have to go in like I want to kill this person. That's the only way it works. Like right. when it, after I got home from boot camp, my friends are all like, "Oh, show us some moves, show us some moves." I'm like, "No, you don't understand. I I I don't I don't I'm not some martial arts master right now. But what I can do is I've been numb to the fact that I would have no problem digging my thumbs into your eye sockets and ripping out your eyeballs." <laughs> Like that, I would have no problem doing, but I don't think you want me to show you that. Like, I don't know any fancy moves, but I will kick you in the dick and I will rip out your eyeballs. Like, see, that's... see, that is that is why that is why I like jujitsu so much because if you go into like Muay Thai or boxing or karate, whatever you want to do, you're you're kind of like training uh, maybe at 30 percent. Where in jujitsu, like when you go into class every day, like you, there's no, you don't in jujitsu, you're not punching or kicking people in the head. It's all grappling. You're trying to choke them out or uh, break their joints before they tap out. You're going a hundred percent. Like you are trying to take your opponent out and knock them on unco- or put them unconscious. So when it comes to jujitsu, like you are spending an hour or so every day going a hundred percent, taking them down and actually like doing what you would do in a real life situation. In a real life situation, you just wouldn't uh, care if they tapped out or not. You would wait until they were unconscious or their arm was broken. So, right. if you, if there's any of our if there's any of our listeners out there thinking about a, a martial arts discipline, jujitsu is the way to go because you go 100. percent It's not it's not tamed down for in the classroom. Like you are, you're either putting people out of unconscious or they're going to tap out. And if they don't, you know, put them to sleep. Fuck them. 
<laughs> you know, we, we actually, we had this, uh, when I was in the Marines, we had this guy, um, he was from Montana and he was just this solid, like brick shit house of a man. <laughs> and this is, this is very not politically correct. Uh, a lot of stuff that, that happens when you're in the service is not politically correct, but he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but he was like Superman strong. So his nickname was, and again, I apologize, but his, his nick, our nickname for him was retard strength. Like right. his, his name was <laughs> retard strength. And we had this game when we were in, our, when we were deployed to Iraq, when we were in our, when we were in our um, little squad bay, uh, we would, you know, we would, we would ground fight and, and, and it would go to tap out. But the, the game is anyone who wanted in would put money in the pot. You know, we'd all put like five or $10 in the pot and then we would all wrestle uh, retard strength. And the, the goal was never to beat him. You couldn't beat him. The goal was to see who could go the longest without tapping out. And whoever did would get the pot. And I won one time because he had, he, he got me in a, in a, in a chokehold and, uh, and I refused to tap and he put me out. Like, I, nice. just, I just <laughs> went out, which is probably not the smartest thing in the world. Uh, who knows how long I went? My brain went without oxygen there, but I did win the pot. That, re- uh, that really makes how much money? That really makes you think. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was like thirty dollars. Nice. <laughs> it really makes you think, though. Like, like the the one the one sport in the Olympics where the Special Olympics is actually higher level than the regular Olympics would be weightlifting. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh God! <laughs> wow. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We left you hanging on that yeah. one, buddy. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> Welcome so to the Three Marines I... podcast. Jesus Christ! So I was gonna say after Mario's story, I was gonna be super embarrassed that I married two Marines. But good God, Dan, you just made me feel a hell of a lot better about that decision. <laughs> um, God, you guys are worse. So. We'll go into some professional fighting, kind of lay the the groundwork. So, Dan, before we get to your complaints, we've got uh, Dana White, who has blasted uh, the New York Commission, the Athletic Commission. Um, we've got Holly Holm, who's actually appealing the terrible decision against her. Uh, we've got Dick Brunson, who's been on social media constantly saying that kind of he was robbed. Uh, so there's that that's kind of out there for for you as a fan and someone who actually trains what was the most disappointing thing about saturday's fights yeah so one thing uh i would mention is that uh former heavyweight fighter brendan schaub who actually has a a a podcast about mma called the fighter and the kid he kind of came out and made a good point that um that the new york athletic commission is not ready for the ufc they're not they haven't seen enough MMA, they haven't seen enough high-level MMA to like accurately judge these fights. And he made the point even that if you are a high-level fighter with you know with the stakes that are or what's on the line, uh, you should refuse to fight uh, any cards that are held in New York State. And I kind of agree with him. They they just don't know. I mean, for people who don't know, it's not like a UFC employee is is judging these fights. It's a political position. So somebody in the state of New York has gotten a position to be a judge on this athletic commission during these fighting events. And um, it's they've kind of been appointed, basically, not based on their ability to 
judge these fights, but just, you know, the way politics work, some idiot fucking asshole doesn't deserve the job. He gets it. So that's who's who's judging these fights. So a lot of people are, are pissed off. Like Derek or Brunson, he, you know, he tweeted that he outclassed Anderson Silva uh, during his fight, and a lot of people agree. Uh, Anderson Silva is considered by many the greatest of all time, but his that you know that that spot as greatest of all time kind of ended in 2013 when he lost to uh, Chris Weidman, and he hasn't been the same since. Uh, Holly Holm shocked the world in 2015 when she took out and knocked out uh, Ronda Rousey. Uh, but since then, uh, she has lost to Misha Tate, uh, where she lost the title. She lost to Sh- uh, Shevchenko. And then this weekend, she lost to Jermaine Raname. But again, this is a Did controversial she? decision. Raname was getting punches in um, after the bell. So she's, she's appealing that decision. Overall, UFC Brooklyn was a fucking shitty card i'm glad jacare was on there he's the only saving grace um i think the ufc has some good or some better cards coming up but this one was just out of you know out of a out of you know the circumstances were that the the, the most popular people the champions were just not available they've you know they're injured or they're, they're taking more time off so they kind of got screwed over and uh new york I, yeah I have the a new question. york athletic commission is fucked what's up so uh, speaking of what you just said, and, and I'm kind of a novice to this stuff. I don't, I don't know how, a whole lot. So I'm kind of speaking from a place of ignorance. But I mean, up until recently, uh, UFC was barred from having events in New York, right? MMA was right. Was, was illegal. And so and so is that is this a result of that, of just people in New York just not knowing what the hell they're doing with this because they're so new to it? Yeah. Or... I, I I don't know of any other states where it's been illegal up until this point. So a lot of these other states have had these events, whether it was the UFC, Bellator, Strikeforce before it went defunct, or these other smaller, more regional uh, uh, promotions where these guys have watched and judged these events. Uh, but it's only been legal in New York for like about a year now. So they just don't have people experienced enough to really call these fights. I mean, there's probably issues like this in the UFC in Nevada back in like 19 fucking 92, but nobody watched it back then. So the, you know, the, the, the decisions weren't as controversial. So Dan, I want to bring you back. uh, Dan, I want to bring you back to the Holly Holm fight. So you had said that she shocked the world, but you didn't really have much praise for her after. If the ref had penalized Durandame, it would have been a draw. So from that, kind of going even, did you have a winner from that from that fight, or would you have just gone with a draw decision? I I probably would have gone with a draw. I neither of the fighter. I mean, I I didn't watch. I will admit, I did not watch the entire fight. I watched uh, the first round and then highlights after that. But here's the thing about here's the thing about Holly Holm. She is an excellent striker, but she's an excellent counter striker. So the reason that she beat Ronda Rousey is because she is excellent at sitting back and letting a less talented striker uh, come to her, make them miss, kick them in the head, punch them in the head, knock them out, whatever. Get more points, whatever you got to do to win. Uh, she did that well against Ronda Rousey. Obviously, she beat her. Her next fight was defending the title against Misha Tate. Misha Tate's not really a striker. Misha Tate's an excellent grappler. She's excellent at jiu-jitsu. Misha Tate <clears throat> did not beat Holly Holm and striking, but she definitely beat her in uh, grappling because she, you know, choked her unconscious. Uh, Shevchenko, again, not 
exactly the best style. Same with Durandame. Not great, the greatest style for, for Holly Holm. They're more aggressive. Holly Holm needs more tentative fighters to uh, kind of come at her, but not confidently, and she can take those people out. So the UFC really tried to build up or build up Holly Holm after she beat uh, Ronda Rousey, but she really didn't deserve that that build up and that hype. She's really a very one dimensional fighter, and it's shown in her past three fights. Uh, I think even if she had won or had gotten the draw, Cyborg is still going to come in and destroy everybody in that division. <laughs> so Holly Holm should probably go down to one thirty five again. Maybe she has a better chance against Amanda Nunez. I don't know. But I think that she's just too one-dimensional to be a superstar at this level. Well, since I don't disagree with you on on Holly Holm getting a little bit too much more hype than she deserves, um, we are going to actually move not that far from Brooklyn, where Mario is going to talk to us about uh, St. John's Elementary School. Uh, yeah, thanks, Stephanie. So, yeah, we've had a couple of... Uh, uh, deep and uh, angry and depressing topics. So I am here to bring a little levity and I have a feel, the feel good story of the night. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So the St. John's fifth grade uh, Catholic youth organized boys basketball team out in New Jersey. uh, What happened was last Friday uh, they suited up to play and they got on the court and they were informed by the referees that they could not play. And the reason that they could not play is because they have been playing their entire season with two girls on their team. Now, the reason that they have two girls on their team is that the school does not have enough girls interested in basketball to field a girls basketball team. These two girls wanted to play the, the school said, sure, come play with the boys. No big deal. It's, it's fifth grade basketball. You guys want to play play. Well, turns out other teams, had an issue with this. There was, there was complaints filed when they showed up to play last Friday, the referee said, sorry, uh, the girls can't play. You guys are free to play this game. But if, if you try to field the girls, you're going to forfeit the game and, and you're not going to be able to play. And so what happened was after about 15 minutes, the parents were arguing with the coaches and the refs and the opposing team. Everyone was in this giant row about what was going to happen with this game. Finally, the ref said, enough, ask the boys, you want to forfeit the game or do you want to play and have the girls sit? And when they were asked that, uh, every single boy on that team rose their hand and said, we want to forfeit the game. Uh, There's no way we're going to play without our two team members, which just, I mean, it's just incredible. It's, it's amazing. Uh, The refs were stunned. The other team was stunned. I mean, even the, the, the coaches for, for the, their team were, were shocked that they, I mean, they were happy, but they were just like, I mean, there was not one boy on that team that said, no, I want to play. Um, and to me, that's what sports is all about. You know, the teamwork, the loyalty, uh, it just, it warms my heart. So what ended up happening is the league, uh, the league officials, they called this a stunt basically and told them that. They never should have had the girls play. They shouldn't have let them play that their uh, record uh, was going to get wiped and they had to forfeit the rest of the season. Now, this is a team that last year made it to uh, their league's championship game. I mean, they're a great team and they were bound for the playoffs. Uh, They were already a lock for the playoffs this year. And they said, nope, 
all your your whole record is is gone no playoffs forfeit the rest of the season you're done because of this stunt they called it because the boys didn't want to leave their their two female players on the bench so uh that's that's where we uh where we stood with that until today um and today i am happy to say that uh the archbishop of newark cardinal joseph tobin um he actually did the right thing and he said um and he basically reversed the decision and said this was the wrong move uh you can have your record back the girls can play you can finish your season and you're going to play in the playoffs which is incredible um you know i if, as our listeners get to know me they're going to they're going to find out without getting too personal that i feel a certain kind of way about you know a, a lot of organized religion and and i don't often have a lot of good things to say about it but but today i want to commend the archbishop of newark cardinal joseph tobin for doing the right thing letting these two girls these two teammates play with the rest of their team and uh and not not ruining these young fifth graders uh season just because they decided to stand together in unity so good on you saint john's good on you cardinal joseph tobin and that's awesome that's all i got so mario are there other were there other teams within that conference or within the catholic school system that had girls playing or was saint john's the the only one that you know of uh saint john's is the only one that i know of so I kind of hope that this decision from the archbishop will prompt more girls to start joining other basketball teams, you know, if they don't have enough interest that they kind of have paved the way uh, to start getting more girls under the guys teams. Cause that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that would be that awesome. Because that. you got to imagine that, you know, there's there's a lot of these situations in other schools where there's there's not enough interest to field a whole team, but there's a handful of players that are like, damn, I wish I could play. And now they're, you know. They, they realize that, hey, if they want to go play with the boys, there's no that, – that that's okay. Um, so I only ever played on one co-ed team uh, when I was growing up, and it was soccer. Uh, this is probably why I, I hate soccer. Uh, but the <laughs> boys, they, uh, they, they hated having the girls on the team. Uh, because it was at uh, Fort Kobe, so down in, in Panama, uh, before you know the U.S. gave up jurisdiction there. And I lived on Howard Air Force Base, and I sucked at soccer. I tried really hard, but I sucked. And uh, you know, a certain amount of girls were required to be on the team and on the field at all times. And after one game, uh, the coach's son, he was a sergeant, uh, his 16-year-old son beat the crap out of me uh, after one of the games. <laughs> and... Told me that girls absolutely suck. They don't deserve to be on the soccer field. Well, you know, I think we've come. I I think we've come a long way since I was a youth. As as far as you know, just an acceptance of we're teammates. We're not just boys and girls on the same team. They're actually teammates. And I think you're finding that more and more uh, in sports, in particular. uh, Kind of as as you get older, definitely Mario. Uh, but I would just say that this story really warms my heart that the boys automatically just raise their hand of like, no, we're not doing it without our teammates. Because I know that that little prick who beat me up in a heartbeat would have been like, fuck her. I want to play without her uh, and would have moved on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great story. Well, you know, it but warms my heart, too. And it gives me it gives me hope for the future. And it kind of ties in what we talked about earlier today 
um, you know, with this, you know, that that this idea of the, of, uh, you know, men and women being separate and 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 you know this patriarchal society that we live in. I mean, I you know I I think you know there is progress happening in society. We realize, you know, we're not that different. We don't have to be so separate. It's not boys and girls. It's all of us together. Um, you know, I think that's going to lead to, you know, much more positive, you know, gender interaction uh, between men and women as, as, as we progress. Um, hopefully, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. So yeah, this is, this is awesome. I'm really happy about this story and I'm not yeah. usually happy. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, tonight, most of tonight's topics probably didn't help you out there much. Uh, well, we oh, have... you know what else is really awesome? Um, is I, I just got to sneak this in. Just one little one little shout out to uh, the NHL. Uh, now that football's over, I, uh, I'm going to start talking about hockey a little more on the show. Um, you found out that in football, I'm a Packers fan. In soccer, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. And in hockey, I am a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. Um, big That's fan of Sidney Crosby. <laughs> I was expecting that because um, that's what I usually hear when I tell people I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. It's fine. They hate us because they ain't us. Um, but uh, Sidney Crosby, widely regarded as one of the best players in the NHL. He is one point away from hitting a thousand points. Um, He's also one concussion away from fucking retirement. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. Um but he'll only be the 86th player in the history of the NHL to do it. And if he does it in his next game, he'll, he'll have done it in 757 games. And just to put that in a little context, um, the great one, Wayne Gretzky, widely regarded as the greatest player to ever lace up the skates. He, uh, he got to a thousand points in 424 games. Um, he got to 2000 points in 857 games. So in, 100 more games than it took Sidney Crosby to get a thousand points. The great one hit 2000 points and Sidney Crosby. Is like... <laughs> but it just, the games yes, the rules are different, but, 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 but Wayne Gretzky just was in a different level on a different level is, is, is all I'm trying to say. So anyway, so I'm done. Uh, that was, that was my little feel good tidbit about the NHL. Awesome. Well, before I kind of wrap up, Dan, is there anything that you would like to say to to our listeners uh, to uh, that you can't say on the horse race? Yeah, listen to the horse race. I know you guys like sports, <laughs> but uh, we have a authoritarian piece of shit moron as president. I mean, the way <sighs> things are looking, he may only last another month or two. So, but uh, fingers politics crossed. is more important than sports right now, especially because football's over. Well, so glad we had you on the not, show today, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> not, oh, but listen, not listen all the to Marines. Uh, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. They're going to get another Marine, but they, they're going to want that flyboy present. So. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I just hungry. Uh, so, thankfully, that'll do it for us this week. We want to thank our guest, Dan Webb. Uh, you can normally catch him on the Nerd Race. Send him some love at, at DanWebbLC. Oh, I'm sorry. The horse race. Uh, you can also hit me and Mario up at Three Marines LC, at M Figueroa LC, and at Steph Klein LC. So thanks so much. Uh, we are the Three Marines, and we are 
out. Uh, uh, hey, before we're out, we also have uh, uh, Lima Charlie News has just got into the food biz. So uh, check us out at uh, Food LC. Lima Charlie Food LC. Is it? <laughs> Twitter and Instagram, Lima Charlie Food. (laughs) So check that out too, uh, because food's awesome. Food might be better than sports and politics put together. Oh, and the Food Food and Sports, which is our our food food and culture correspondent, uh, Jay Goldenberg, LC. Uh, He is the Food Fragger on Instagram. And uh, he's also a Marine, so we might have him on the Three Marines show as well. Come visit us, Jake. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you send us your clips, either audio or video, for an audition to come be one of the three Marines. Have a great week. You'll hear from us next time. We are the three Marines, and we are out. Out. Lima <laughs> Charlie, loud and clear. You're listening to Lima Charlie News.